0: All right. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Come on. He's, he's worthy of everything. I'd just like to take a minute and say how much I love, uh, Todd and Tanya. They're just amazing people. And we partnered together with you guys in Surge. Last year, the Lord helped us to plant 1119 more churches. Can I have an amen? And that, that, that's just going on all the time. Uh, we, we have our, Quarterly meeting on Zoom with all of our team. And they were telling us last Friday, we, we met with everyone from China to India to everywhere we're on the call. And God is just moving in, in great ways, but it's because of you. It's because you give, you sacrifice above your tithe. You, you help, uh, to, to bring the gospel across the world. I'm also joined today by Carl Everett. Carl, stand up. He's been with me 25 years. What a great man of God. But I love, I love family life, Brandon and all of the team here. And just to be with you, I love the new kids building. In fact, I haven't seen that yet. That's my first time to see it. So what a blessing, but you're just moving forward as a church. And, uh, man, I, I mean, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm preaching here and then I'm preaching for Ty tonight. And then I'm coming back for the wild game cookout. I think I'm just going to live here for about a week. How about that? But I'm going to tell you guys Friday night about my sons, two of my sons went and killed six alligators last week come on now two 10 footers and and i may even bring a picture of that pretty amazing i was not present by the way but uh anyway great things are going on with men so we're excited about you man all you men say amen come on over here something that's right if you can't come out for 30 cooks cooking you wild game bro you just did you just twice did that's all So we're going to have an amazing time. Be sure you bring a man with me. I believe the Lord has given me a word for you uh, for Friday night. I want to just uh, take a moment and read a verse from the book of Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. I want to read it and then we'll pray. The Bible says in Matthew 11, 28, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the Word of God as we turn our attention right now to something that will change our lives. I pray the Holy Spirit will cause this Word to fall on good ground. Let it produce a mighty harvest here today. We bind the enemy, the thief of the Word. Let it multiply 30, 60, and 100-fold, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, uh, several months ago, the Lord began speaking to me about this word on rest. And I have a friend that travels with me, Mike Ware. And Mike, I always call him when I have a new sermon, and I call Mike and I preach it to him, and he said, Larry, that sounds like one of your longhorn sermons. I said, what's that, Mike? He said, that's a point on each end and a whole lot of bull in between. Come on now. <laughs> so Todd, you've done a few of those, hadn't you, brother? But I I feel, you know, we had a 30-year-old pastor of a very large church over in California about two weeks ago that took his life. He had a wife, three children, growing church. You can't believe it. It stunned the whole Christian world, particularly in America. I wrote a blog on that. I write a blog every week. How many of you read my blog? Anybody in here? Okay, three people. That's awesome. Well, it's larrystockstall.com. I've been doing it, and I think this week the blog has 40,000 people that are reading it, and it's just something new. Well, I wrote about this because it so moved me. I have five sons and a daughter. They're all involved in ministry, and I just... It, it just grieved me. And I thought, why in the world would this 30 year old young man with a, with a beautiful wife and three children, three little boys, take his life? And as I probed into it, I discovered that anxiety and depression had set in in his life. He had to take a sabbatical three or four months. When he came back, he, he just never was the same, even though his, he was a great preacher and all of this. He had inward issues and I'm thinking as I'm looking around the room, I wonder who's smiling today on the outside. But on the inside, there's, there's things that are going on in your heart that, that are burdens and all kinds of difficulties. You know, uh, several months ago, I moved for the first time in 36 years. Melanie and I raised our family there at Bethany, uh, for 36 years. We lived in a parsonage, but It's time for all good things to come to an end. We didn't need a house that large anymore because they weren't living with us. So we downsized. We bought a home in South Baton Rouge. Well, it took me a month to pack. You know, if you haven't moved in in 36 years, it, it ain't no joke. Get your neck broke, right? And so we moved, and then it took me two months just to put together. Melanie has books, and we had to buy 18 bookcases. Help me, Lord. I had to put all those together. Then I had to hang all the pictures, 46 pictures. And that, and it just, you know, it it, it was a month and a half just to get unpacked and, and get resettled. And I, I found my best friend in the toolbox and it's the, it's the level because I used to measure every picture. You know, you measure here, measure there and it takes a long time. And then I discovered this little thing called a level and it, and it has a little piece of glass in the middle of it and there's a bubble you know, right in the middle between the two marks. And all you got to do is set it on top of the picture. And that shows you, you don't have to measure the bubble is between the lines and, and it's balanced. It's based on balance and not distance. And God spoke to me 46 pictures. I hung, he spoke to me and he said, God's people are often out of balance and they're trying to figure it out and measure their lives and he says all they have to do really is is just set my word on top of it And the thing i realized through all 46 of those pictures is that you can't tell if you're up close to a picture if it's out of alignment you can't tell you have to sort of back away and then you can easily see something that's just a little bit off and i don't know about you but if i walk in and a picture's kind of off It drives me crazy. How many of you say it drives you nuts? Yeah, see, that's half of you. Well, that's me. And so I I just, I learned how I got to just put the level on the side, put the level on the top. Booyah. It's done. That's it. So that, that's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to coach you a little bit this morning. I'm not the hero. I'm I'm trying to make God's people, the hero. They're the ones out there fighting the battles day in and day out. So let me let me give you a a, a little acronym R E S T. I hope you'll remember it because sometimes the simple things is what help us to change our marriages and change our lives and all of those things. So in Matthew 11:28 I just read a verse where Jesus himself spoke about rest. And he said come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden I will Give you rest. I love that. He doesn't, he's, you don't have to work for rest. He says, I'll give it to you. It's a gift. If you're in anxiety or depression today, you're, you're struggling with finances or with marriage or with kids or with job or with health or so many problems that un, uh, unsettle our hearts and our minds. Like that young man in California. Well, listen, Jesus said, I'll give you. Rest. And then he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm lowly in heart. So rest is connected to the heart. Lowly, it's humble. It's, if you're proud, if your ego's driving you, then, then you can't have rest. The heart is the secret of rest. And then he said, and you'll find rest for your souls. For your souls. There's rest for the body. And that's good. I love a good sanctified nap. How about you? You're going to get you one today, I'm sure. But it's rest is is more for the emotions and the souls. And then he said this one. I love this at the end. My yoke, he said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And what that should say to you and to me is that if it's my yoke, it's not going to be easy. But if it's Jesus' yoke, he said it's going to be easy and light. I remember hearing Brother Osteen talk about his, his ministry he had 40 employees. He was trying to raise funds for them all the time, the staff, and he just was wearing out. And the Lord gave him a dream one night of a cross a huge cross that was laying down on the ground. And and he told Brother Osteen, take up your cross and follow me. And he bent down in the dream to try to pick this heavy cross up. And when he did, it flew up over his head. It was made out of styrofoam. And the Lord said to him, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know what the problem is, is that we're trying to pull the yoke. We don't need to. Jesus is the big ox. We're the little ox. We just need to walk alongside of him. That doesn't mean we're lazy or that we're passive or we don't have to go to work or get up every day and do our duties and all of that. I'm not even talking about that, but I'm talking about an inward rest that though we're working hard, it's really Jesus that's pulling that load I remember when my dad received the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Baton Rouge, he was the head of the Baptist Pastors Conference, 40 churches. And Daddy, uh, you know, was addressing them every month there at the Baton Rouge General Hospital, and he shared his testimony about receiving the Holy Spirit one day. Well, one man raised his hand in the back, a pastor said, Can you tell us one thing that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has done specifically in your life? And he turned around to the whiteboard and it was covered in all kind of terminology like schizophrenia and paranoia and all that. He erased all of that. And he picked up the chalk and he didn't even know what he was going to write. He just turned to the board and he saw himself writing these letters, R-E-S-T. And he underlined it. He put the chalk down. He turned to that group of of pastors who were all tired and weary and and pushing to grow, and pushing to fulfill their duties. And he said to them, brethren, I used to work for God. Now I work with God. What a difference that makes in your life when it's not you, it's him. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Have you ever seen a branch like struggling to produce fruit? You never see that. You don't pass an apple tree and hear the apples going, ah, trying to make fruit. All they do is they just hang on to the vine and it pushes its life into them. Fruit is excess life. So we don't, it's not that we don't have to work in our lives, but it's, it's that we're walking with the Lord. Now let me, let me make this acronym. I'm just going to touch on these things. First of all, R, I want you to write these down somewhere is the word. I'm going to, I'm going to put that letter for routine. R stands for routine. And I, I love this verse in Luke 4 and verse 16. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As was his custom. His custom. Every Sabbath day, the Lord went to church. And he had a routine of his life. Now, I want to I talk to you about your routine because rest comes From routine. If I've already decided what I'm going to do every day, I know what I'm going to do and I relax about it. I know that it's sustainable for me. May not be for someone else, or I may not be able to do what someone else can do, but it's sustainable for me. To me, routine is something you can repeat thousands of times. This is so important. Because it's got to be sustainable. And when you do your routine every day, you start to feel normal. I I read about a psychologist, one of the greatest psychologists in the world. He's got a million followers on YouTube. And this psychologist has a clinic where he treats people with anxiety and depression and discouragement and all that. When they first come through the door, he asks them two questions. Number one, do you eat breakfast every day? Number two, do you get up at the same time every morning? If they say, no, I don't. He says, well, listen, I want you to go home and nail those two things into a routine. Getting up at the same time. I don't care when you go to bed, but you have to get up at the same time. And I want you to eat breakfast every day. They said, what's that got to do with my psychological problems? He says, if you can't maintain a routine of, of, of raising yourself out of bed and eating breakfast, nothing I tell you can change the psychology of your mind. Well, that, that interested me. And I'd say that to you. If you're going through a slump, kind of a low point in life, why don't you just start getting up at the same time and eating breakfast? Because when you do that routine, it gives you confidence. You start feeling normal. Now, if you look in the life of Jesus Christ, He had an amazing morning routine. We don't know what He ate for breakfast. We know that one time He called the disciples off the boat and He had some fish and He had bread and He said to them, come have breakfast. So I don't know the Lord ate breakfast every day, but I have a a feeling he did. We also know that he got up and he went out early in the morning and there he prayed in the dark while it was dark in a private place. That was his routine because he had thousands of people trying to touch him all day. So he had to beat them all up in the morning and he had to go out, out of town so he could pray. So I'm taking my cue from that for you. Let's say that tomorrow morning, you decide, yeah, I'm going through some tough times, but I'm going to get up at a certain time, and you know, some people that's 5 o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock, whenever. it doesn't really matter, but I'm going to get up, I'm going to eat breakfast. Let me add a couple of things that I do. I've also learned every day not only to get up, but I make coffee. How many of you know you're not saved until you have a cup of community coffee, right? You're just not. I mean, you're really not even fit to be in public until you've drunk some community coffee. So Melanie and I have the same two chairs. We did it this morning. We sit there about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and just we share the first part of the day together. And then uh we eat breakfast after that, which we did this morning. And normally, I do a 30-minute walk. I only do it six days a week. I didn't do it this morning because I don't... own. On Sundays, I usually just, just kind of rest my body. But this is not just walking like you know and walking. This is I have to measure it as a run because on an Apple Watch it's it's I'm, I'm almost 12 minute miles is what I do. I'm walking really fast, getting my heart up to 125 beats a minute for 30 minutes, and that's what a cardiologist will tell you you should do to have your heart healthy. And every day I do that, I just feel so great. When I come back, then I read the Bible. Thirty minutes. I take a shower and I'm ready to roll. Eight o'clock, eight thirty, ready to go to meetings. But I always do that routine. And what they tell you about that routine is that every time you do it, your confidence builds in your life. Now that may not, you may have never even thought about that. You say, I don't need a routine. You really do, because a morning routine is important. But not only that. A work routine, and you guys that have done Model Man, you know I teach that you shouldn't really work over 50 hours a week outside of the home. That should be your routine. Don't work 70, 80, 100 hours. I read about Elon Musk, who owns Tesla, and Elon Musk was working 120 hours a week. It was about a month ago, and the brother had a meltdown, a total meltdown. And they, and he started saying he was going to sell his company, this and that, to privatize it. And then he said, man, I've been spending three days, night and day in the factory. He said, I, I I hadn't seen my kids in months. He said, I've got to change something. I could have told Elon Musk that if he just listened to this message, I could have told him that. You can't sustain 120 hours a week of work. 50 should really be just about the maximum that you're outside of your home. And then you need a family routine. And I've also got that in the Model Man book. Have a date night every week. Have a family night every week. And then this is a good one. You need a meal routine. You know, a lot of folks are not even eating meals as a family. They're just passing like ships in the harbor. There's no routine. So we always try to have at least one meal a day together. That's probably pretty attainable for you. If it's supper or if it's breakfast, but my wife is very thin, and and some of you have heard this before, but she, she taught me about how to lose weight. She said, you eat your biggest meal for breakfast, and she said, that's like a king. You eat like a king for breakfast, and then at lunch, you eat less, like soup and salad. You eat like a prince for lunch, and then for supper, you eat almost nothing, like a little bowl of oatmeal. You eat like a pauper, she said, for supper. Well, a friend of mine, Chuck Stearns, was wanting to do that diet, and he tried it, and I said, how's it going, Chuck? He said, it's it's really awesome. I've lost some weight. He said, but I, I eat like a king for breakfast, prince for lunch, pauper for supper. He said, but the only problem is every night about 1030, I hear a little voice in my head that says, long live the king. How many of you know about that voice? That's right. And so I don't know what your routine is but you have to manage it. And I'm going to throw this one in there. You need a sleep routine where you're going to bed between nine and 10 o'clock at night. Some of you guys are staying up to one o'clock in the morning playing Pokemon. You can't do that, bro. You can't go to bed at nine to 10, get up at five to six. And I really try to sleep eight hours a night. If I can, the older I get, it's a little bit more difficult, but let me, let me just encourage you. Routine. R is for routine. And if you're having emotional issues in your life, that may sound like a ridiculous thing to be talking about on a Sunday morning, but it really is not. Find a routine that works for you and sustain it. Number two. E. Now we're going to drill down really deeper. E stands for emotions. Emotions. Emotional health, emotional wellness is now being quantified in what they call EQ, emotional quotient. You know, you got your IQ is supposed to be how smart you are. That's the rational side of your brain. That's how many problems you can solve. That's equations for NASA. That's, I, that's your IQ. I like what I heard about T-boy. Did y'all hear about T-boy? He, he came home from school one day and he told, uh, he told his dad, he said, Dad, he said, I, I've got the biggest foot, uh, in, in the third grade. And his dad said, you know, well, that's, that's interesting. He said, you should have the biggest foot. He said, you're 19 years of age. Come on. So IQ is not, you know, we, we think, well, that's all I need. If I was smarter, I could be, I could be wealthy. I could be happy. I could, but, but what they're learning now, they have a new test called EQ, and that EQ is the not the rational side of your brain, but it's the emotional side. Because they're finding that brilliant people are very depressed, or sad, or, or lonely, or they, they, all the emotions are keeping them from success. And they found that people with an IQ of 100 or the boss over people with an IQ of 140. Because the people with 140 may not have emotional skill, but the guy with 100 has tremendous emotional skill. So emotion. And I thought about the story of Mary and Martha. You know, Mary was very calm, laid back. She's in the room living listening to Jesus. She's sitting at his feet. The Lord is teaching there. But Martha, God bless her, She was kind of like some of you this morning getting the roast on. I mean, you know, she, she was trying to cook that roast and, and mashed potatoes and green beans and, and corn and fried okra. Three people just left to go eat when I said all that food. But she was all about, all about cooking and missing the lesson from the Lord of the universe that created all things. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Emotions. Jesus said, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part. It will not be taken away from her. I like to say that Martha was restless. You can't have rest if you're restless. You're unhappy. Nothing satisfies you. Her emotions got out of balance. And she went from being anxious to annoyed and then just downright angry. She burst through the door and she said, Lord, will you not tell my sister to come help me in the kitchen? And the Lord had to call that dear sister's name twice. Martha, Martha. That's because he could barely flag her down. Her emotions had boiled over her emotional well-being. Think about you. What are you like on the road? They're talking about road rage now. They're talking about things, people shooting their friends at an at office. Kids going to school and killing 20 kids. It's an emotional, it's, a, it's not rational. They're making straight A's. It's, it's a lack of emotional wellness. And can I tell you, only the Holy Spirit can give you emotional wellness. Isaiah said, this is the rest. And this is a refreshing, but if Martha were alive today, I wrote a few things she would would be upset about. Number one, she'd probably be upset that she could not find her iPhone. Come on now, somebody. I love those phones, but I have a love hate relationship with them because I can never find the thing. And not only that, I hate autocorrect. I send a text to someone and it changes the word. To a completely different word, I heard about a lady that was congratulating her husband on his birthday, and she sent him a text, "Happy birthday to you," "Happy birthday to you," And then she meant to say, "Happy birthday, dear husband," but autocorrect changed it to "Happy birthday, dead husband."." Not good. I just I don't know what it is, my phone. And then notifications. I've got the microphone. I'm going to just vent a little bit, okay? Notifications. The other day I'm preaching and my watch goes off and it says, you just did a good job breathing. Great job breathing. Really? Do I need to know, do you need to notify me that I'm still breathing? Hello? And then, Schedules, we have too much on our schedule with no margin. Money, we have too much month and not enough money. But how about the news? If Martha was here, I know she'd be perturbed at the news cycle in America today. I have just about had it with all news. In fact, if God just would turn America up on its side and let Washington just drop off in the ocean, it would be awesome. I mean, everybody, we're so sick of stories that are just keeping us on edge and upset and angry in the political divisions and all of the I just decided, you know what i I cannot watch c n n constantly negative news. I cannot watch that anymore or Fox or any of them because they' it's just a constant of people, and you're wondering why you're so depressed, so upset you're so restless so try to keep your emotions balanced and i'm just going to say this one thing about emotions you'll balance your emotions when you have perspective perspective it's not a big deal the fact that a person won't get out of the left lane on the interstate when you're behind them it's not a big deal you're going 70 miles an hour anyway The fact that your bag wouldn't fit in the overhead in the plane is not a big deal. You're flying at 600 miles an hour on a chair at 39,000 feet. You're getting to Florida in an hour and a half. Settle down. You lose perspective of what's going on. It's I haven't found anything that's a big deal. I, I love Chuck Stearns. We travel together. And Chuck has this little phrase. Something will go wrong, like the plane will be late. And he looks over at me, and he has these two words. He says, uh, "Brother Larry, nobody died." And I didn't understand him at first. And then he starts saying it over and over with anything annoying. Nobody died. He's right. Nobody died. It's it's not a big deal. So here i I'm, I'm, I'm still coaching you. Close one eye and leave the other one open. Would you do that? Everybody close one eye, leave the other one open. Now take a finger like your pointer finger and put it right up next to that eye that's open. Go ahead and do it. What do you see? Nothing. You see a finger. Now start moving it inch by inch away from that open eye. Now what are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing a bunch of beautiful color. I see faces. I see, I see all kinds of stuff now. That's called perspective same finger just put in perspective and a lot of you everything that happens to you when you're depressed when you're discouraged all that any little thing that happens you do this and you walk around like this and people try hey how's your day oh i don't know man i've got this bill i've got to pay well you can't see Hey, you're driving a car. You drove a car to church today. You had so many clothes, you didn't know what to wear. Come on, somebody! You got crawfish at here in Lafayette. I mean, what else could be? You, you got. Well, I don't know about wild game. I don't know about brother. We gonna have so much wild game here. You can't. We gonna be so much food and fellowship and desserts, and we. You're losing perspective. Number three, and I'm just touching on these, S, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. I love the fact that God took a Sabbath. I love it. S stands for Sabbath. R stands for routine. You need to build a routine in your life. E stands for emotions. You need to manage your emotions, get some perspective. S stands for Sabbath. A part of your schedule needs to be one day of nothing but rest. And in it, the Bible says you shall do no work at all. Now, a lot of you are looking at me like a cow at a new gate. You say, I can't. I can't have a day off. First of all, you say, I'm not tired. I don't need a Sabbath Sabbath day. I can work seven days a week. Well, I remind you that God took a Sabbath, and I promise you he did not need it. When God made the heavens and earth, he did it with his breath. There's no energy. He just he just spoke it out. And by the way, the very first day of the week that, that, that mankind was alive was the Sabbath day, the seventh day. God took a day of rest just to be with man on his first day of life. That should tell you something. God wants a day where you're with him and your family. That might be today. And I, I congratulate you for being in church today. Come on, give yourself a hand clap for being here in church today. That's right. Because that is telling me that you're trying to put priorities first. And i I, I know, I know people that they, they don't prioritize the Lord's day. I heard about a, a son that refused to get out of bed and go to church. His mother was trying to pull him out of the bed. He just kept flailing his arm and, no, I'm not going. And finally, he pulled the covers off of his head. He said, give me two good reasons that I need to go to church. She said, all right, number one, you're 47 years of age. And number two, you're the pastor of that church. Remember the Sabbath. You need... A rest, you need a day off, Hebrews 4.10, for whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his work as God did from his. It's interesting. Israel was told by God that they should have a Sabbath year. Every seventh year, they did nothing. He said, I command you to do nothing but Hang out and rest. Do not work your fields for a whole year. How many of you would have loved to obey that commandment? Come on. Take a year off? But they were asking, well, Lord, what are we going to eat? We're going to starve. He said, no, you won't. He said, I'm going to so bless year number six that you're going to eat it in the seventh year, the eighth year, and the ninth year, you're going to throw out the old store from year number six just because you got a whole new harvest coming in. Let me tell you, when you put God first in your schedule, he'll take care of providing for your life. Come on now, say amen. An example A is Chick-fil-A. I'm coming, I'm coming, brother. And you know what? I don't even like Chick-fil-A. It's just a dry rubber chicken sandwich to me. Now, I know you may love it, but how many of you love Chick-fil-A? Raise your hand. See, I don't get it, but hey, that's you. But let me tell you, there's always two lines of cars wrapped around that building. And they ain't even open today. There's a sign on the door that says that we're closed so that our employees can spend a day with God and their family. You say, well, that's too bad because they're probably not making much money. Well, let me, let me, let me correct that. Pizza Hut, Burger King, and McDonald's all make about a, a million dollars a year. Every franchise is a million, million and a half. You know what Chick-fil-A makes? Four million dollars a year. It's four times more. Come on now, say amen. So what I'm saying is your soul needs a Sabbath. You need a personal day off. Where you run around, take care of all your lawn mowing and all your fixing and everything. And, and then that's a working day off. Then you need a weekly Sabbath, which is a day of the week where you're doing what you're doing. You're here with your family. And that's where I'm this is today. All of our we have 14 grandkids. We have all of our kids and, and they, Melanie's making roast rice, all that stuff today. So that's our day as a family. And then you need an annual. Vacation, And that is not to see how far you can drive in the United States of America. But a two-week vacation. Okay, here we go to the last one. I'm just touching on these. Routine, emotions, take a Sabbath. And here's the last one, probably the most important one, because it's day-to-day, is thoughts. Conquer your thoughts. My daddy's favorite verse in Scripture, Isaiah 26, And verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace. Say perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. He's thinking about the Lord, fixed, locked in like a north star. Because he trusts in you. Here's the interesting thing. Perfect peace in Hebrew is shalom, shalom. The word shalom is peace, but in the, in the original here, you keep him in shalom, shalom, double shalom. If your mind is stayed on the Lord, let me tell you something. You're going to have to monitor your mind because thoughts are going to come into your brain. Oh, you're going to die. Oh, your sister died with cancer. Oh, you this. Oh, you that. I had one man tell me he says, brother Larry, my dad died at 57 with a heart attack. He said, I'm 58, so I'm living on borrowed time right now. I know it's any day now it's going to happen to me. I said, hold on, bro. Hold up. What, What are you talking about? Why do you think you have to die when Jesus was beaten to a pulp at a whipping post that by his stripes we have been healed? Why do I have to die? Because my uncle died. Come on now, right? So you have to decide that these thoughts that come in your brain may not be from God. They may be from the enemy. And a thought can become a high thought if you meditate on it. And a high thought can become a stronghold if you ruminate on it and live it and, and and accept it. I had a lady in my church that she started coughing. And one of our precious ladies, she cooks at the church, she started coughing. And she had to stay at home for about a month because the cough got worse and worse and worse. And the devil told this woman, you have tuberculosis. And she was in a hardware store buying some stuff, and she started coughing. And a man, a perfect stranger, walked over to her and said, ma'am, I think you have tuberculosis. Now, I can't conceive of ever doing that to anyone. But yet, that's what, and then when he said it, it just came in her mind. See there, you you have tuberculosis. Well, she didn't. She went to the doctor. She just had bad congestion. They cleared it up. That's been 12, 15 years ago. But I've always remembered how the devil is trying to put a thought in your brain. Something in your mind. You're going to lose your business. Your your, your business is going to close down. They're going to do away with your job at work, and they're going to. They're going to give you a pink slip next week. You just get ready for it. And and then that, that doctor's appointment coming up, you know what, it's, it's, it's not going to be good. And, and it's, it's thoughts, it's thoughts, it's thoughts that are keeping you out of your rest and your mind is under attack. But he says, if you'll stay your mind on the Lord because you trust in him. I love the word trust in Hebrew, amon. It's a baby laying in the arms of its mother. I have a little eight-month-old Savannah, Jonathan's latest little girl, and savvy we call her. Savannah, She a few weeks back I was feeding her her bottle, and Savannah went to sleep in my arms, and she, she laid back, and I, I mean... She was gone, and we call it like a wet mop on a log. You know what I'm talking about? Just out. She didn't know where the world was. She didn't know what Putin said that week. She didn't even know anything about him. She just, well, you know, that's faith. Because he trusts in the Lord. That mother will protect me, she's thinking. That mother will provide for me. That mother will meet every need in my life. I want to to relax you a little bit today. God is in control of your life. I want you to just lay back in His arms. See, this is not costing you one penny to hear these things. And you're not having to take a pill. You're not having to go to an appointment with a counselor. Though Those things are all good. All things are good. I'm telling you, you need to start with a routine. Control your emotions with perspective. Put a Sabbath in your life, and every day when a thought drifts through your ears, it did not come from the scripture, it came from the enemy. You take authority over it, say, you're a liar, devil. Can I practice here a little bit? Say that out loud, say, you're a liar, devil. Say it a little bit louder. See, that, 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 that's for free. That, that's what you do. That's what I do with my life. I just want to close, land the plane here. Remember I said Jesus said, I will give you rest. I just wonder who is sitting here at this nine o'clock service and you need that gift, man. Because you can even do all four of these things and not have eternal rest. Because this life's going to be over one day and there is a place of eternal rest. It's not here on earth. Paul called it paradise. He was caught up to paradise. There's a paradise. There's a place of perfect rest, perfect peace. The river of life is there. The tree of life is there. Jesus is there. And he wants to give you that life, but you have to receive that. Would you close your eyes with me just for a moment and think about what I'm saying to you? He said, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. If you're a man in here or a young person or a housewife or a young couple, and you came to visit us this morning at Family Life, But you've got inward issues, turmoil. The Bible says there is no rest for the wicked. If there's sin in your heart, there's no rest. You're afraid to die at night. I don't have that fear because of the peace of Jesus. I'm going to look from left to right. I can't see everywhere. This is kind of a 180 degree turn. But if you're here and you know you're, you know who you are, God's dealing with you, and you would say to me, pastor, I need Jesus. I need His rest. I need forgiveness of my sin. I need a new perspective of life, a purpose to live, and a, and a time to die where I know I'm ready for heaven. I'm going to look around from left to right, and if that's you sitting here and you would say to me, please include me in that prayer. That's, that's what I need today. Think about it. Here's what I want you to do. If that's you, without hesitation, I want you to slip up your hand right now. Hold it up high toward God. That's right. Just hold it up now and say, include me in that prayer. I see your hand there, 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 back there. God bless you. There, 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 there. It's probably about 15 people in this service. I see your hand there. Other people still raising your hand. See, that's why you came to church is to get rest. It's yours. Now our heads are bowed still. If you raised your hand, you can put your hand right over your heart. Anybody can do that, actually, because that's really where the peace of God resides. We're not perfect. We have problems, pressures. We also can have His perfect peace. I love that. Perfect peace. Pray this out loud with me, everyone. Let's go to the Lord together. Say this out loud, everyone. Say, Heavenly Father, this morning I fixed my mind on you and I trust in you. I ask you to forgive my past, all of the sin of my past, and wash me in your blood. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross Where he made peace between us and you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. Cause my mind to calm down. My emotions to come into perspective. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Could I ask you to do something else now with your eyes closed? Why don't you just turn your hands over, kind of like a funnel. And I want you to receive the presence of God. Receive it right now in the back row, all across this room. I don't, I don't know what payment is coming up you're afraid of by the end of the month. I don't know. But I pray right now for the very peace of God. Lord, I thank you that neighborhoods are going to come at peace. Where there's strife, where there's division, where there's competition, the peace of God is coming. The rest of the Lord, not in a pill, not in an appointment, but Lord, just by the from the throne of God, R-E-S-T. Lord Jesus, I it upon your people today. I thank you for the most amazing night's sleep they've ever had tonight. And an amazing week as they start to implement these principles this week. I thank you, Lord. Marriages are being healed and children are being healed. And the blessing of God is coming. And we give you all the glory for it now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus wonderful to give us rest? Come on, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Amen. God bless you guys. See you Friday night.